drops. Morpheus is fighting Neo! Hello and welcome to the Hollywood Fishbowl. I am and can only be your co-host. That's right, I am no longer just the host. I am the co-host because I am joined by my wife whom I married. Swinky, hi! And us two, we are also not alone on this show because we are joined by the one, by the only, by the absolutely magnificent and illustrious and always hilarious... Kristen Stuttered, it's me. Welcome to the show, thank you. Does that put undue pressure on you if I introduce you as uh, uh, always hilarious? No. Okay, good, good, good. I'll probably be funny. I'll be be pretty funny, I imagine. (laughs) I I mean, I'll I'll start out low, I'll set the bar very low, and then by the end, they'll be like, surprisingly funny. Mm. Good for her. This is one of the... (laughs) One of the Chuckle. things about the show is I try to I try not to impose my framing on the guest, uh, and I just did that on you. Ah, oh, it's because odd. I only know you from the shows I've seen you at, and they've been phenomenal. Oh. just phenomenal. I love them all. Uh, but we'll get into all that. I'm I'm going to stop framing you as I frame you, and I would like to give you a, a brief moment to frame yourself. Oh. How who are you, and how do you see yourself? And then we're going to get into a whole lot of business. And then we'll do the show. Who are you and how do you see yourself? Wow. How do you frame yourself in the world? You know, honestly, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because um, I introduce myself as a comedian quite often. And I am. I've been doing comedy for 20 years, if you count improv. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do. But most people, when they hear comedy or comedian, they assume stand up which I also do, but I'm not, I'm much more of a prolific improviser than stand up. Uh, And then I also write and perform like solo comedy shows, Mm -hmm. but they're not stand up. So, and they're not like, you know, the story of my cancer or whatever. They're not like, you know, um, thematic in that way. They tend to be comprised of bits and all that. So yeah, I'm, I guess I'm a comedian. I usually say, Mm. uh, my friend the other day, I said that to someone, I said like, well, I'm a comedian. And my friend was like, oh, you don't say actor. And I was like, oh, I mean, I am an actor. I'm also an actor, primarily comedic, although I've been in a couple of dramas. And then uh, I'm a writer as well. Excellent. Writer, performer, I guess. I've got a quick, quick question. Um, This is a question that I sometimes ask uh, guests who frame themselves as comedians. It's a question that's been on my mind. I've been lurking around UCB for the last year or so. And I've been trying to figure out, like, what, what what is a joke? The best I've come up with is it's the thing that happens before other people laugh. But I don't know, like... I haven't been able to put a bead on the definition of what a joke is exactly. Well, How do you think it of it? because it is subjective. I mean, there isn't a definition. Like, a joke doesn't even have to be funny to everyone. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes when you... When something's funny between two people and not anybody else, you know, that's yeah. still a joke. It might not be a joke to me, but, right. if, you know, if you guys have a little inside marriage joke and, you know, you have a thing that you say and then... You laugh, so it's a joke to you. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. But then now, is. That you've, now that you say that, I wonder about that even because there are things we, we, there, that we would call jokes between us that don't make either of us laugh because they've got so many miles on them, but there's still like a comfort in them and I would still call them a joke even though they don't elicit laughter at all. Yeah, but there's so, a feeling of laughter. Even yeah. if you're not laughing, the mm. feeling of laughter, that's what I tell myself people are feeling. <laughs> <laughs> like they're just, we used to say this thing when I was in college. Mm. God. When I was in college and we were doing a comedy play, play and like if we were doing a matinee to a bunch of sleeping old people uh 
we would be backstage if it was just like tanking and mm. someone would say, you know, you can't hear smiles, <laughs> which is just actual garbage. Mm. That's just a real way to make yourself feel better. <laughs> if you're doing comedy and you don't hear any laughs, just smile. You, you know, you can't hear smiles. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It was, it was small comfort in that one. Truly. Smiling. We're going to get into so much today. Can't, can't wait. We are going to get into, uh, Kristen does her best. I've got some oh, questions. Yeah, Is that okay? Sure, Is that yeah, on the table? Totally. We're going to get into your boy, Ricky Burbank. Love him. We're going to get into drag race. We're going to get into improv. We're going to get into writing. Um, we might swing by podcasting station. Cool. Um, is there anything that's on your mind? Oh, no, I want to know Ricky Burbank. Oh, okay. and, Ricky. And Chris, and yes, in yes, your TV series. Well, the, the, yeah. the one on YouTube. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Before we do any of that, we're going to do this thing. Uh, don't worry about that clicking. That's just the phone. Oh. We're going to okay. do this thing called Five and Five, wherein I ask you five questions and you have one minute to answer each question. Five minutes, five questions, five and five. The branding is perfect. I got perfect. it. Wow. <laughs> Let's begin. Yes. You will also get beeps along the way that sound a little like this. Okay. Question number one, where did you grow up and how did that inform your adulthood? Oh my, uh, I grew up primarily in the suburbs of Chicago. I had a brief sojourn to uh, rural Tennessee for two years when I was young, uh, when I was like six till I was nine, and then we moved back to the suburbs. What was, was that yeah. like a... My dad, who was an alcoholic, continues to be, but he, no longer like in my life, mm. bought two okay. bars in Tennessee. He's from Tennessee and okay. he bought two bars. It's a very cool move for an alcoholic to do. And mm. you know what? We just went there. Mm. Uh, and then we left and came back to the suburbs. And I would say living uh, close to Chicago, it informed my life in that like it gave me access to improv in Second City. I took yeah. my first improv class when I was in high school. So that was uh, kind of a cool thing. Also, um, it means that I find, you know, uh, humidity comforting occasionally. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm not afraid of uh, six months of abject misery and snow. Mm. Um, and Time's uh, up, time's okay. up, time's up. Beep. Question number two, what is the must-engage media, the book, the album, the TV show that opened up your brain to the very secrets of the universe? Oh my gosh. Wow. That opened my brain to the secrets of the I'm like, I know what I care about exactly right now. The two most recent, because I only have a minute, I'll just say the two most recent things that I'm absolutely into. Mm -hmm. I'm obsessed with Succession. The show Succession is perfect. It is so, so incredible. Mm. There's, I mean, acting, writing, it's funny, it's also dramatic, and it's shot incredibly well. And then the book, The Sellout uh, by Paul Beatty, it is set in Los Angeles. It is a racial satire that he won't say is a satire, uh, mm. which is, makes it even better. Uh, it's incredible. It's incredibly site-specific to being in Los Angeles, but even if you're not here, you will love it. And it is it like it knocked me out. It was so good. I was like, this is the best book I've read in years, it's so good. It's like if you didn't hate the main character of Confederacy of Dunces. Oh, wow. <laughs> Great answers, Justin. <laughs> Question number three, what is the greatest source of joy in your life? Greatest source of joy in my life? Oh, wow. Um, I really... My sister, I love my sister so much. I speak is to her on the Is she down here? No, she she's Chicago? in the suburbs. Oh, she's in the city now. She's in okay. Chicago. 
I was just thinking about her on the way here. She's a great person. She's so smart and exciting and like funny. And I'm so grateful that she exists and is alive. Yeah, she brings me a lot of joy. Actually, my mom and my sister, my little fam jam. Mm -hmm. We call ourselves the fam jam. Mm -hmm. They bring me a lot of joy. Also, um, tiny things little versions of big things. I really find a lot of joy in like little small things or things that have little eyes on them. You know, like um, <laughs> like if you put googly eyes on like a rock, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> anything, it doesn't matter. Put googly eyes on anything. Put little, just make it a little kind of cute and I'm I'm there for it. Or like all oh, those videos of the hamster eating like the tiny meal that's been prepared right. for him. Yeah. Like, Aww. yeah, stuff like that. That mm. really brings me quite a lot of joy and um, animals of all sorts. Question number four, what gets under your skin? Oh, gosh. Um, uh, This sounds like such a freaking trite answer, Mm. but um, like injustice, (laughs) it makes me crazy. It makes me angry. I I guess injustice paired with a lack of empathy when people cannot see how another person engages with the world like when they can't in even they're not interested in empathizing with someone mm-hmm. else mm-hmm. they're not interested they're they're able to write people off as 100 good or 100 bad right wrong black and white thinking that kind of stuff makes me feel insane and mm-hmm. and you can't teach it to someone you can't be like well but have you considered that this person is also a human being and Mm. maybe they are also suffering and struggling and we are all trying Mm. uh so that yeah that you know that gets under my skin i'm i'm a really good person (laughs) (laughs) but not unequivocally i do have my faults Mm. Mm. last one uh what what's the best advice you've received in your life and what do you want to put out into the universe advice wise that comes from your own heart oh my god the best advice that i've ever received in my life i guess mm, that i guess that it's not about you that that people are not um people are not thinking about you as much as you're thinking about yourself like and that's just the truth you're mm. the way that you you can relive and beat yourself up over you know small moments in your life but nobody is focusing on them cuz we're all focusing on our own uh on our own paths and i guess i'd like to just pass that on i really do think that we can all do a lot a lot better with um maybe like being kinder to ourselves and each other mm. <laughs> that mm. i'd love i'd love to see that more more focus on how we can all win yeah rather than making someone else lose do you want the celebration music for killing five and five absolutely I don't get it out of my headphones. <laughs> okay. I guess you'll have to listen to it when it is. It was, it's the ham horn app. Oh, okay. It's just an air horn. Great, 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 great. <laughs> Which is, it's never going to get old for me. <laughs> All right, let's slow things down. Let's see who's off the throttle. Let's go back to high school. Ooh. Okay. No, I want to go back to when she was six, between six and nine in Tennessee. How was that? Do you remember what it was like? Oh, yeah, it was wild. I mean, we were... lived in a rural in a very rural area i immediately got an accent like mm. we were there for like 3 months and mm. i was saying like you know are y'all fixing to go down yonder? I mean, like really <laughs> fast, immediate. Cause I was six, you know, and I was just yeah. like, all right, y'all like me. And we had, it was very, it was the um, most, 
outdoorsy I ever was as a child because mm. we lived right next to the woods and like all the kids had like bikes and mm. we would go down all these hills and mm. there was a big field our backyard like w- like went up onto this horse pasture and there were honeysuckles and stuff um, but the school district was really really bad mm. and um, they wanted to skip me two grades bump you up because <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were that far up. ahead of your yeah peers. just having come from Chicago schools from Northern schools. And, um, did you do it? No, my mom was like, "Eh, and she's not going to be two years younger than everyone Everyone in her grade. She's not skipping from first to third grade. It's like, no. Yeah. Uh, Second grade. Did they compromise or were you stuck in first? Well, no, what my mom did was she, we used someone else's address Mm -hmm. and I went to a better school district, just went into second grade. Mm -hmm. But then, um, and I did that for second and part of third grade. And then I had a really mean teacher. Her name is Mrs. Naylor. She's probably (laughs) not with us anymore but she was a very mean teacher in third grade. We mm. had the kind of classroom where like um, you there, all the other third grade classes had decorations and things on the walls mm-hmm. and stuff. Ours had just cement, like gray walls <laughs> and then one bookshelf. And the only books on the bookshelf were encyclopedias. <laughs> and she basically set up a, a thing within the classroom so that I, I think she suspected that I lived out of district Mm. and she one day put up a map of our County on the wall and said, all right, we're going to do a fun thing today, which we never did anything fun. Mm. Uh, So we're going to do a fun thing today. We're going to mark on this map where we live. So just come up here and tell me your address and I will put a pin in the map. What a horrible woman. So I only knew my address, the real, my real address, but I had a feeling that that wasn't what I was supposed to be saying. Yep. 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 And so when I gave her my address, she was like, hmm, look, that one's all the way down the highway, all the way over here. Um, and then I, my mom got a note and then we actually had to move. We moved to um, we moved to a, t- a terrible roach invested house that my mom wouldn't even let us unpack, unpack in. And then actually halfway through that year, we left my dad and like moved back to uh, the city or mm. we moved back to Chicago. Mm. So it was kind of like an impetus in some ways for all of that to to happen to it gave us maybe an out but yeah and so then it like we were there and then I moved back to the Chicago suburbs so it was a very it was a weird moment in my life of being this kind of like you know Tennessee kid just like barefoot (laughs) y'all yonder yeah Yeah. at the time were you cognizant of what was going on with your dad or was it just like oh "Oh, that's just how dad is or yeah 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 I knew there was something wrong yeah yeah my father was an alcoholic and he was pretty abusive to my mom and so I think that uh I knew that like he was he was very kind to me mm-hmm. at, at times. It wasn't there was not a problem with our relationship, but the household was really yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a problem. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I knew that I knew something was up. But also, my mom really uh, kept me protected from a lot of how bad everything was. Yeah. It was only years later that she was like, "Well, oh yeah," and we moved into that house. And remember, I wouldn't let us unpack, and I was like. Oh, yeah, I didn't even 
clock that we were not unpacking that, yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah. I just was like, yeah, of course, I just get my clothes out of the garbage bags that we like packed them up in. Mm-hmm. No problem. <laughs> like, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. And of course, everything in the kitchen is still in boxes. It just didn't occur to me. Yeah. No, you when you're a kid, it, the world is how the world, the world is. is. Like, you don't world. have a baseline yeah. to compare most of what you experience to. So right. yeah. that's what I was asking. Like, how much of that went over your head at the time? Yeah. And- I mean, so, most of it did. I like, I had a sense that something was up. You know, and like when we left him, I really was like worried that he was not going to be able to make it without us. Mm -hmm. Uh, But even as a kid. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. That was something that didn't escape me was kind of like the guilt of, you know, like he needs us. He will fall apart if we're not there with him. Imagine that you don't really have a relationship. Did he fall apart after that? Like, they- oh no. Well, well, we stayed in touch for a couple of years after that. We don't really have a relationship now. We were friends on Facebook until recently, um, and he is a Trump supporter, which mm. is like so wild because I it was very unexpected. Not unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a very wild thing. Uh, I think it comes from the fact that he needs someone to look down on. I think that that's like me trying to have empathy for his position. (laughs) It's like, you know, but he, I think he needs, he feels that he needs someone to look down on and for him like scapegoating, like, you know, scapegoating other races, scapegoating immigrants, like being like fearful of being hateful towards people gives him someone to feel better than as like, you know, an alcoholic multiple divorce convict, you know, mm. living, you know, it's like nothing's ever his fault. He's it's yeah, a lot yeah, happening. Yeah. With him. No, that's, uh, I think the strength of this presidency is, is largely built on that, on people who need permission to be a certain way. And they get that permission from our particular president right yeah. now to be exactly how they want to be. And yeah, anyway, yeah. let's talk about literally anything else. Truly, yes. <laughs> no, I want to know about your sister. So, was okay, she so there my sister with is my half sister. So, oh, my okay. sister is with mm. my, my sister is 14 years younger than me. Mm. So, she's in her early 20s mm. and she, um, she lives in Chicago. She is my mom and my stepdad had her. Mm. Oh, yeah. I'm 14 years younger than my sister. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Are you guys close at all? Very close. That was very close. I think mm. for us, it happened because we both were only children, essentially. Mm. You know, mm. like mm. she was, I was, she was four when I left the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and so, so we didn't ever fight over anything. Or right. There was no competition or right. jealousy or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then as she got older, she just became a cooler and cooler person. They do that. Yeah. Little sisters. Yeah. Do you have a, do you have a sister? I do. I do. Yeah. And we were not cool at all growing up. And then when we both became adults, like suddenly she became very cool. I was always cool. So uh-huh. it was easy oh, yeah, for yeah, me yeah. to ease clearly, into that. Clearly. But, but she took some time to catch up to it. Yeah. Yeah. My sister is amazing. She's mm. a very, very cool person. She um, is very strong and I don't know. She's very self-possessed. She is so cool. I love her the most. And yeah, I, I think she's really wonderful. Does she come to visit sometimes? She comes often and mm. then I'll go there still. Mm. Um, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Hopefully she'll be coming out in the next couple of months. Mm. That is what I'm Wait, hoping. moving? No, no, just no, visiting. no, no, just visiting. Oh, okay. Just visiting. Yeah. She's mm. got, she's got a job right now that she's working. So we'll see what happens. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's I'm wonderful. Glad. I'm glad. Maybe that's, uh, you're, you're, 
even though you're related, your childhoods were so different. Very, mm-hmm. very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My mom used to say that. She called me once when I was in college and she was like, Kristen, you know, I'm just worried that Devin is not going to, you know, have as much, uh, you know, she, because she, she's not going to be able to adapt as well as you did because she didn't have the challenge. Because we moved every year that I was up until I was 13. We moved at least once a school year. Mm. Um, or like with once every other school year. Mm. And she was like, you know, I'm worried that she's not going to be able to, you know, adapt the way that you were because she's lived in the same house since she was born, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And I was mm-hmm. like, that is really one way to put it. Like, yeah. That is really a way to make lemonade out of my right. turbulent childhood. Yeah. Like, yes, I have grit now, but mm. no, my sister also does. My sister is incredibly uh, gritty. She's mm. got it. She's great. Mm. I love her. Aw. Yes. Do you hear that, Devin? Your sister loves you. It's true. <laughs> it's true. She knows. She knows. She sent me a birthday card the other day that was like one of those cards that says, you know, I know I don't say it often, but, you know, I look up to you and I love you. And she had crossed out all the stuff and she was wrote like, LOL, 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 as if we don't call, call each other every day to tell oh. each other that we love each other. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. of course you do. Yeah. She's great. She's the best. Now can I ask her about now you high can ask school? Her about high Is school. it okay, Swink? That's you, you're fine. Interrupt you, you me can, again. No, I'm not going to interrupt you. Want to know anything Sorry. Else about Thank you for answering my yes, question. No problem. So let's talk about high school. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I want specifically the 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 improv stuff because I know you mainly through improv and through comedy. So I kind of want to get that that uh, get that needle threaded that gets yeah. us to to us meeting. What's the what? You join Second City. You start taking yeah. classes so out there. When What's I was the, in high school, my best friend was like wanted us to take improv classes in the city. They offered like high school improv classes Mm -hmm. at Second City. And I was like, all right, I guess no problem. We'll go and do it. So I did the like high school improv program there. I did only a year of it. I didn't even love it. I just thought it was like kind of fun, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, um, uh, when Were you I, like a drama kid or yeah, Monty big Python time, big kid? Time. Okay. I was no, I was a drama kid. I I used to be on the dance team in high school, and then I quit to be able to do the play. Um, what plays were you in? I was, I, and here's the other thing about high school for me was that I was not, I was on, I was really active in the drama uh, department, but I didn't, I never got the lead of anything. Oh, neither did I. They wouldn't even let me sing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I never, I never even, I was an understudy for many years and then my senior year, we did Into the Woods, and I was Jack's mom. Mm-hmm. And my and what it, what was the play that we did? Oh, we did like Scapan, which is a Moliere like French uh, comedy, like three act comedy. I. <laughs> I played a gypsy quote who came in at the end and I had a three page monologue. I could I don't remember anything about it other than I used to just sit downstairs and flirt with the guy who also didn't have anything until the third act. Oh, (laughs) so it was a fun play, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, no, I was I was very active in the drama club, but I was not um, lauded by any means. I um, do you feel that you've been lauded since then in other areas? Where have you been most Laudacious. Lauded? Oh my gosh. I don't know. It's really funny because uh, people from high school, I'm in a commercial right now that I'm an icebreakers commercial where I ride a unicorn. Mm-hmm. And people have, uh, it's been running for two years. So it's oh, great. It's but great. people have been like, 
oh my gosh, I saw your, like people from high school are like, you know, can't believe I saw your commercial. It's very funny because I think to the rest of the country doing commercials is like this really amazing, like big deal gig. And I Mm -hmm. think in LA, everyone's like, oh my God, you got a commercial the money must be great. Like everyone knows yeah. that you do commercials to get mm. money. You yes, do commercials yes, yes. for money mm. and that's great. And, but nobody's like, Oh my gosh, amazing work in that commercial. Like, you know, <laughs> people are like, Oh, it was funny for sure. And mm. but they're like, that's still running. Oh, nice. Get those residuals. Yeah, and they're like yeah. high five you and walk away. Mm. So, um, people, so I guess from home or like, I, you know, I've done like weird, I I was recently on um, I Think You Should Leave, which is uh, Tim Robinson's Netflix show. And I've, I knew him from Chicago, not super well, but we are friendly. And um, that's one where people like in L.A. at least or, are like, wow, that show is really good and we like it. You did a great, yep. you know, like it's really a cool thing to be associated with. So that's been really neat. I've even know. just because I've been photographing you, I've caught wind of how. Uh, admired that show is and how respected it is. Like people I know have been approaching me saying, hey, how'd you end up shooting her? Yeah, it's wild. It's funny. I have like one page in it. I'm like, I'm I'm in it for three minutes maximum, you know, and, but I am in the first episode. So I guess okay. that's like people are impressed by that. It's very funny. It's hard to to take, to think like, what have I been lauded for? God, I don't even Swanky, know. Swanky, what have you been lauded for? Yeah. Ah. Uh. Well, uh, <laughs> you got 20 likes on got, that doodle. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Some go. people seem to enjoy my doodles. Yeah. We like your doodles. They're, yeah. Oh, you're following my doodles? No, I'm not. I just oh. meant the royal we. Everybody. Oh. <laughs> we as a we as a society, we like your doodles. We're glad you're putting them out there. Yeah. Well, you know, you this that's lauded. You've been Family lauded. Li- you it. won the award of the century and everyone knows it. The the, the Notojiman. Oh that. Okay. She's got what a trophy the size of her torso. Yeah, it's a from really a Japanese huge singing torso. competition. It's it's a huge trophy. Okay, yeah. so there's this competition in Japan they have where uh, every now and then they have these foreigners come on and sing in Japanese, Japanese songs. Uh-huh. So I got on the show and I sang and I won. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was lauded with a huge trophy, which yes. I immediately shipped to America. Do yes. you speak Japanese at all? Yes. Do oh, you speak Japanese? No, we can do this absolutely in Japan. not. Okay. Do you uh, speak Japanese? Yes. Yeah. Oh, we met in speak- Japan. We lived there for 10 years. Oh, my so. God. Mm. Mm. Where in Japan? Tokyo. Tokyo. Before yeah. that, um, Saitama, the, to- Saitama, like the countryside which is very north of Tokyo. Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And so you both are fluent in Japanese? Yes. She's fluent professionally. I'm like conversational. Right. Enough to pick up girls on the weekend kind of Japanese level. Which he did. Uh-huh. Which yeah. Clearly Yo, hear me out. now. I totally did. <laughs> she yeah. said that like it was disparaging, but I'm owning that. Yeah, it you works should own out. your mistakes. Gosh. Yeah. I, I, I've never been to Japan. It's like one of my, it's the next country I want to go to actually. Oh, yeah. Where have you been? What places I've been all over. I, right wow. after I, mm. I studied abroad in London when mm. I was in college. Mm. And I also went to like London and France when I was in high school. And then I moved to um, Edinburgh, Scotland for a year after I graduated college. And then I went all over Europe while I was there. 
And I've I've visited like Australia, New Zealand, and Peru. I've I've been all over. I've been wow. a lot of places. Cuba. I went to Cuba a few That's years ago. Awesome. Yeah, wow. well, you lived in Japan for ten years. That's really awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, but uh, as, here's the thing. I'm gonna make a prediction. As soon as you leave, she's gonna say to me, "Pew, we should go to Cuba. We should go to Australia. We should go to New yes, Zealand. We should go to Edinburgh. Peru. We should go like everything yeah. you listed yes. has been archived now as places yeah. we should go. You should go. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want any tips, I can give you tips that are good ten years ago. Oh. <laughs> Oh, uh, <laughs> Although I went oh, to Cuba just now. three years ago. Mm-hmm. I went to Cuba t- early 2016, like, or, was- or, or 27. It must have been, it was right after Trump was elected, but mm. before he took office. So it was January mm. of, 26, of 2017. Oh. January of 2017 is when I went. Because you can't really go now. Mm. Like, they, they mm-hmm. have... Uh, they had rolled back the restrictions during the Obama administration, and now they have rolled them on forward again. Oh, yeah. So it's like I think it's really it's really difficult to travel to, to there go now. now. Oh. It was an interesting. Uh, it was a really cool and interesting trip. But I just was in Havana. We did Havana for a week, and it mm. was really cool. Yeah, my friend is living in the Dominican Republic, and so we went. I went and visited him there, and then we went to Cuba. So it was. Really neat. Oh. Really neat. But Japan, I've never been to. And I want to go to the freaking Bunny Island, the Deer Island. I want to go see Miyajima. all the temples. And the Cat Island. Do you like cats? Yes. You there's love a animals, cat. Right? I do. There's mm-hmm. a Cat Island, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Have you been to that one? No. I'd love to what go. What a waste. Motanai. Yeah. yeah I would you should really... have gone. No, mm, no, they're a bit far removed from where everyone else lives. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would imagine. I mean, they're islands. Yeah, right. <laughs> Kind of have to <laughs> pretty take a while to get mm. there. Okay, sorry. What were we talking about? Oh, what have I been? Oh, you know what? Honestly, the thing that I mark as, um, as like the moment, uh, like a real like life changing moment for mm. me was I when I was living in Chicago, so I moved back after I lived in Edinburgh, I moved home. I moved Mm -hmm. back to, I moved to Chicago. I moved into the city with my friends from college Mm. and I moved there expressly to do improv. I started studying at IO. So Mm. what, what happened when you were in high school? It was kind of like, Oh yeah, we'll do this. It's something to do. When did it switch into something? This is I'm, I'm moving country to pursue this. What what was the change in your head and heart? When I was in college, I went in not as a theater major. I was studying um, communications because I thought if I can't, even get the lead of a play in my high school why mm-hmm. would I go why would I pursue this you know mm. but I wanted to go somewhere that I could also just you know hobby wise mm-hmm. do theater mm-hmm. um, and when I got there I studied communications and then by my sophomore year I was a double major theater and communications and my college boyfriend um, had always wanted to start a sketch group Mm. And so we started a sketch group together called The Roost. And then we would also do improv. We would do like short form improv games and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I kind of became the de facto improv expert. I was Mm -hmm. always very good. I was always like pretty good at it in high school. And we had had these like visiting people come and they would do improv games with our theater department and stuff like that. Mm. So I kind of became the de facto improv person. And then over the summer after my junior year of college, I had studied abroad and my parents were like, you have got to stay at home for the summer. I usually would go and like live at school all Mm. summer. I Mm -hmm. didn't super like being home. Mm. And they were like, you have to stay home for the summer and like pay us back (laughs) some of this money Mm. that we uh, lent you for um, your studying abroad. Mm. And my mom for my birthday that summer was like, 
I got you a, this like improv workshop with Paul Sills, who's one of the founders of the Second City, mm-hmm. uh, Viola, Viola Spolin's son. Um, uh, I got you this improv workshop with him in Door County, Wisconsin, which is like a three or like a six hour drive from where we lived. Mm. Uh, and it'll be like, you know, a f- six day, a five or six day workshop. And I was like, okay, cool. Thank you. She's like, I know that you like improv. And I, I had also been taking like, I would occasionally take like when I was home for the summer, I would take just like weird improv classes that were offered by people who were coming into town for the summer. And so I drove up to Door County and I took this class with Paul Sills and he was such a curmudgeon. Mm. He hated every, he hated us all. We were all, he, he really, can I swear on this podcast? Absolutely. (laughs) I encourage Um, you to. He called one of, um, one of my friends who actually lives in LA now, or no, I think that they still live in LA, but he, Mm. he called someone that I met there who, it has come to become a friend of mine throughout the mm-hmm. cities that I've lived in henceforth. Mm. But we met at this thing. He called my friend Tom asshole dumb one time. He was just like, what was that? And he's like, I don't know what that was. And Paul was like, I'll tell you what that was. That was asshole dumb. And he like had his granddaughter get up when we were performing on the last night of the workshop. He, we had a little like open performance to the mm-hmm. public mm-hmm. and he had his granddaughter who was like six get up and mime that she was, you know, had a kite in the air and he was like, see, my granddaughter can do it. She's better than half of these people. He just like hated it so much. But the saving grace of that whole thing was that there was a, a folk dancing festival happening in Door County that weekend. And the folk dancing people are the nicest people alive. Mm-hmm. They are really kind and welcoming. And the people from our workshop were like, I was probably 20 and I was, there was like someone who was 16 who was there with his dad. There was like a couple people in their early 20s, some people in their mid 30s, a couple people in their 40s and 50s. It was Mm. just such a weird mixed bag of people. Mm. And we all would go to these folk dancing activities when, as soon as we could get out of this improv. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time to go go folk dance with the nice people. And they like, we would come in and they would be like, yes, the young people are here. Yeah. Like so fun. (laughs) And it actually, I got really hooked on, I love, I love group activities. I love community. I love communal activities where everybody is on the same page. Mm. I really thrive in like camp atmospheres. I worked on a cruise ship for Second City. It's like Mm. I I thrive in an atmosphere where we all like have to be on board and just fucking participating. And that's Mm. what square dancing and like folk dancing is like. Mm. And I actually go folk dancing I'm going tonight. I oh, go. Really? There's, yeah, there's a square dance in Highland Park the third Saturday of every month. So I'm going to the third Saturday square dance out here. I just started going again like a year ago, but that mm. was the saving grace of that whole trip. So I had done improv throughout college and that and just kind of, you know, off and on. And then when I lived abroad, I, I knew I only had a year. I could only work there for technically six months in Edinburgh. Yeah. And then I did like under the table work for like nine for like six uh, for like three months after that. So I was there for like nine months. And I was doing I did some under the table work in Spain for like half a year or so. Did you end up with a book or something filled with bills of money? Like they would just pay me out in cash every night uh-huh. and I 
didn't have a bank account because I wasn't living there legally. Oh, did you end up with your drawer full of cash or no, anything? No, because weird like I that? had a bank card from okay. when I had my job, from when I had okay. a visa okay. Okay. and a job. Okay, so I had a bank card. I did have a bank card. I also was living in a closet there. I literally lived in a cupboard. I paid a hundred pounds a month in rent so that I could save up money because I knew I was going to want to travel at the end yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. So I lived Harry Potter style, like straight up in a closet. Wow. Um, it was a very cool time. And then, yeah, I flyered for the Edinburgh Fringe. That was like my cash job that I did for all of August was like I walked around. I did a bunch of very weird jobs. I like went to Sweden to go visit some friends that I had made in Edinburgh. And then I came back in as a tourist. Mm. And so then and then I just stayed for three months. And then I, when I was there, I also wrote one of my first pieces when I was there. I had seen this documentary about weird Americans like uh, not weird Americans are you talking a solo show or an article piece yeah What's first the piece? solo piece that okay, I, I okay, like okay. a solo piece like I did stand up also for the this is weird now I'm remembering how this all kind of happened <laughs> I when I was living in Edinburgh I had watched this documentary about people in Texas and it was about like very religious people in Texas and there was this woman talking about how God wants you to be thin and she was <laughs> preaching like weight loss through worship. Mm-hmm. And I wrote this whole, I wrote a whole piece where I was preaching to people that God wanted them to be thin. It was like a satirical piece, mm-hmm. I hope. And Based on uh, truth. honestly, I would never want to read it or know what it's like anymore. Mm. People, <laughs> But it is kind of a hallmark of my work where oftentimes people are like, that made me uncomfortable. Uh, I was <laughs> laughing, but it made me deeply uncomfortable. Mm. Um, and... And so I wrote I wrote a monologue as this woman, uh, a character bit as this woman. And then I also started writing these like um, I started writing jokes, I guess, kind of stand up jokes. I wrote like this piece about uh, the world, how like American geography, I called it, where it was like and I would draw on a piece of paper, like how we see the world. And then I would like kind of talk through like so even your stand-up is kind of performance based that's exactly how it was yeah and I also that was I I vaguely considered that stand-up this was a long time ago and then when I was in Sweden I was there visiting my friends who for midsummer and Mm -hmm. um they are were in this little like feminist art rock band and they you know were like playing the drums with Barbie dolls and stuff like mm. really mm. out there. Very cool chicks. And they had a big show that night and they were like, Kristen, you should do some comedy. And so I did comedy for the first time really in Sweden. Wow. And my first joke was, you know, who here speaks English? <laughs> <laughs> and it was 98%. Everyone in Sweden speaks like, absolutely terrifyingly perfect English and they speak with an American accent because Mm. they do not watch dubbed television they don't dub their TV so they have so they learn they grow up hearing what an American accent accent. so you you know they all speak insanely good English so it was like 98% of the people in the room raised their hand and I was like good if if you don't, just turn to the person and laugh whenever you feel it. Yeah. <laughs> just laugh. If something seems like it might be funny, you should laugh. Um, yeah. And so I did that. And then while I was there, I was like, I should really go and do improv. I really think that that's something. And because I knew that I could go to Chicago where I knew a lot of people, mm. I was like, I should go to Chicago. And I had made a friend at that Paul Sills workshop Mm -hmm. and she had told me that IO was like a very cool place that improv Olympic in Chicago was a very cool place to learn improv. And I was like, cool, I'm going to go do that. So I moved to the city and then 
I studied and performed there for eight years. And then uh, what? What, dro- what brought you to LA after that? What was right about that time? So I, while I was there, I did improv for a long time, and I thought that that was going to be it. I um, does it lead to anything in Chicago? Like out here, when you do shows, if the show gets popular, eventually people are going to notice it and hire you for a job in no, theory or get you on a ceiling. writing gig. The, there's there's only ten paid jobs in Chicago for improv, maybe 15. And they are all second city stages. So there's the main stage, there's Mm -hmm. the ETC stage, and then there's the touring companies. You cannot make a living on the touring companies, but you do have to quit your job. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it's really difficult. And then ETC is like a lower paid and the main stage is decently Mm -hmm. paid. And those are two equity. Those are both equity theater contracts. But other than that, there is absolutely no way to make any money um, doing a comedy really yeah. in Chicago like that. And so, so what keeps you there for eight years? Well, I, I, I didn't yeah. think it w- I didn't think it was going to be my job. I didn't, I, everyone in Chicago has a day job. Yeah. Everybody. And everyone is doing improv for the love of the game. It okay. is not to get famous. It is just to move up the ranks within our community. And mm. also maybe to get one of those places on the stage. Um, the other thing about it is, I had a great day job. I worked for a startup called Threadless. Mm-hmm. It's like a t-shirt company. It's, we would take designs, artists would submit designs and then the community would vote on them and then we would print the most popular mm-hmm. designs and sell them. Mm. And um, I, my job was really cool and it was very fun and I had a lot of cool, fun friends and we were featured on like the travel channels, most extreme workplaces and stuff because we had mm. a mini skate ramp in our office. And so, and also I, I really loved Chicago. I grew up yeah, in the yeah, suburbs. Yeah. So I knew all of my community was there. I never thought I was going to move to LA. I Never. When I was a child, I used to read books about New York and I had dreamed that I would move to New York and I don't know, be on Broadway or something. But that kind of my dream morphed as I got older. I really never thought I would live here. And then what happened was I, so the big transformative thing that I was going to say is I was on this show. So I used to think I always had to do improv with other people. And then they there's this show in Chicago called Impress These Apes. And it is a ta- an eight-week comedy talent competition judged by three hyper-intelligent apes from the future. That's like the logline of it. Right. Okay. Where it's like they need your comedy talent to get back to the future or something. It's like mm. it's to power their machine. It's a loose concept. Yeah. But it basically is every week you get a different comp- a different challenge it's much like drag race in that way, mm. but this was way pre drag race. Um, you get a different challenge and you have to um, do it. You have a week to get it together and then you come and perform it at the show that week. And then you get judged and scored. The scores are cumulative. And at the end, someone wins. And the first season happened and Lauren Lapkus was actually on the first season. Awesome. Um, yeah. So you got to work with her. Oh yeah. I've known Lauren since, yeah. I used to be on an all girls improv team with Lauren, Vanessa Bayer, um, oh, I'm trying to remember if anybody else has gotten big from that. Then there's a bunch of people also who who live out here. Sarah yeah. King was on it. Um, uh, Molly Brent, not Molly Brent. Why can't I think? Oh, Jane Bradauer. She used to be named. Uh, uh, now she goes by Molly out here. Or she did for a while. She was out here when I got here. There were like there were like eight of us on this team. Mm. The Misfits with two S's. Um, 
Yeah. So Lauren had been on the first uh, season of it. And I remember being like, maybe I should audition for Impress These Apes. And then I auditioned and I took it really seriously. I worked really hard. Every week was a different, like, it was like, you know, write a song, write an autobiographical song and play a musical instrument. Do um, stand up with a puppet that you made. Uh, Make a music video for a randomly assigned song. Choreograph a dance. Like, it was all this stuff. And I love restrictions. I work really well within Mm -hmm. confines. I, Mm. I can be more creative. A blank page is incredibly intimidating to me. Uh, And so this was a very creative time in my life. And going into the eighth week, going into the finale, I was in first place. Wow. And the eighth week, the the final week is you can do anything. It's impress these apes. And I was like, oh, no, this is that's the one challenge. you Yeah. Yeah. This is I was really like, oh, no, what am I going to do? And also it's a lot of pressure because I'm in first. And I was standing in the post office with a box to ship to my friend who was living in Australia. Mm. And I looked over and saw um, this like uh, stamp collection and Mm -hmm. it was pollination. So it was like a bee on a flower and a a hummingbird like on a flower. And I was like, Mm. oh my God, that's flower sex. Like that, there's a whole like (laughs) stamp collection commemorating flower sex. And so I was like, I... (laughs) And Junior Senior's album had just come out and I really loved this one song and it was a duet between a guy and a girl. And mm-hmm. I was like, I should do a thing with a flower and a bee where I, it's like a bee is trying to seduce a flower. And mm-hmm. I was like, Ross Bryan and I used to um, dance together a lot, like just at parties and like events. We just have, have used to have a really good time on the dance floor. And I remember reaching out to him and being like, hey, would you want to do this with me? Yeah. And he was like, I'm going to be out of the country at the time. And I was like, oh shit, what am I going to do? I wound up doing it myself. So I played both the bee and the flower. How? I, I did a video of myself as the flower, oh. <laughs> close up of the flower. And then the flower was on stage. And then me as the bee interacting with the flower and the bee is reacting to what I'm doing. And I timed it out and stuff right. like that. And oh. it ends with me like coming on my own face, like lotion just all over this flower. It's like a weird, like, <laughs> you know, nature porn. And, uh, and I won and I uh, was like, thank you. Of course you did. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. This is, and so this is like the, it's like standing ovation. And I was like, oh my God, I can do this. Like I can perform solo yeah, work yeah. and I'm not just okay. I can, I'm pretty good at it. Yeah. And so then it led me to, um, writing my first solo show, mm-hmm. uh, which was called Small Victories, an Unflattering Vanity Project. Mm. Um, oh, and then also before I left, when I, before I left town, I got a tattoo of, of a flower and a bee. It's on my shoulder. Oh. Um, and it's uh, in commemoration of that thing. Yeah, of that, yeah, yeah. Of that moment. Yeah, right, it's right, a big, right, right. yeah, it was like a big thing. It was a very big turning point in my life. Well, you know what? I've seen the bee in the flower. The bee in the flower. That comes up yeah. again, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a theme that so weaves through your, your work over Yeah, time. I used it in my web series. Well, it was mm. in my first show and then it was the finale of my first show. And then I've also done it in uh, in subsequent shows. It was in my web series as well. I actually just performed it last night because I'm trying to decide if I want to put it in my new show or mm. not. Mm. I love it, but I kind of in some ways I'm over it. I was oh, worried right. for a long time that it would be the best thing that I've ever made. And then I made something better than it. 
But I think that those two, I think they it might be time to retire them soon. We'll see. Also, I don't think that there's any shame. I think because as an improviser for so long, I believed that you ha- you can only do something once that you know right. you, you have to oh, let you it have go. To retire. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, as a as a writer and mm-hmm. performer, I've had to come to terms with okay. the idea. Are you all right? I'm good. No. He's worried about my my um my sitting position. It's ah. an easy couch to slide off of ah. when, yeah. when you're sitting. But I'm good. Okay. Yes. Mm. So can we you, talk about you, yes? You have, you have jump in. Jump no, in I before like I that she in. she 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 mentioned that when you're doing improv, you think that you only have to, you can only do it once. But that it's a mind it's a mind it's like a minefield when you're a writer performer. You can just take those ideas and use them whenever over and over again, different iterations of them. Yes, and mm. also that people are always coming to your work mm. you know like not everyone was there 10 yeah. years ago when yeah. I did it for the first time yes. yes you know and so I yeah I have to remember that people are always coming to my work mm. but I also at the same time uh you know, I think something that I've been trying to focus on and have been struggling with is creating new things. It's really hard when you land a trick and it, you know, you get the applause. It's really difficult to want to do something where you could not land it, Mm. you know? And that I think is like kind of my second phase issue. That's probably the thing that I'm working on the most right now. Then quick question. How old is Ricky Burbank? How long have you Ricky been Ricky Burbank is so new. Ricky Burbank, I've been doing six months maybe. And did that, was that birthed for Drag Race or does that come from something else entirely? So I, so when I moved here, um, oh gosh, so Ricky Burbank, for those who don't know, is my Drag King character. And he's just like the dude. Um, <laughs> He's the best. I, he's like a total creep, but he's great. Mm. Uh, no, so I, when I moved out here, I did improv. I was on a Herald team for two years at UCB. Okay. And then I, um, and, and the other thing too about coming out here and doing improv too is that there is no, oh, we also skipped how I decided to move to LA. But do you want to go to Ricky? Uh, let's get you to LA and then let's get to Ricky. Okay. Yeah. I want to hear. Let's get to him. Mm. Well, so basically I did that. I did the show. I wrote another show after that. I wrote small victories and then I wrote another show called it could be worse. Everything's great. And I can't stop crying. Mm. And (laughs) I lost my job. Uh, I lost my job at threadless Mm. and right before I was going to San Francisco sketch fest for the first time. And, uh, I went and I was like, oh, this is so cool and fun. And I did my show at San Francisco sketch fest. I did my solo show at at sketch fest. Mm -hmm. And, um, then also someone from comedy central had seen the show and, um, Tim Robinson and a couple of other guys had a deal at comedy central at that time. And they were developing a show And one of the development guys had said to Tim, hey, I saw this girl from Chicago, Kristen Studdard. I saw her show at Sketchfest and I really liked it. Mm. Do you know her? And Tim, who I barely knew, I don't know him super well, was just like, oh, she's great. You'll love her. You got to call her in for a meeting. Like, so I had a meeting with Comedy Central. Like they reached out to me through Facebook and I was like, oh my God, this is it. I've Mm. made it. Mm. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, which is so funny because now I know that a general is just how executive fill their days and not 
usually uh, meaning anything. Oh, really? But you know, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No, and also, I got out here. I came out to do the meeting and uh, they were like, cool, where are your web videos? And I didn't have web videos. I'm from Chicago where everyone was just doing live performance. People were not mm-hmm. making web stuff at this point. Mm. This was seven years ago, eight years ago. And so, but I came out and I was like, God, maybe I should move to LA because, you know, I could just get another social media job. I could try and go work at Grubhub or something, you know, and stay in Chicago and then just keep doing comedy as a hobby. Or I could just take myself seriously and make the leap. And everyone I knew who had moved to New York was eventually wanting to move to LA. And I was like, I am already turning 30. Like I, I don't have time to go and do the middle step. I have to just go straight there. And when I came out here, I was like, oh, it's not, my friend told me something. I guess I could have said this as a piece of advice. She told me something that really actually um, is great advice, which is Mm. you already know everything you're going to hate about LA. Like it's already out there. There's traffic, there's fake people, industry, you know, uh, like nobody walks. There's no public transit. It's like all the stuff, you know, already that you're not going to like, but that means that you have infinite like capacity to discover what you will love about it. Like that there are ways to find out what you will like about it. Mm. And that I have found to be true. Uh, And so when I came out here, I was like, Oh, and then also, um, yeah. And, and so I got, I did a, I met with second city and I was like, Hey, I want to do a cruise ship. So Second City has these cruise ship contracts. Have you guys ever talked about this on the show or anything? No, no, no. no Second City first. has these cruise ship contracts. They did. They had them for about a decade. They just stopped last year. Mm. But um, they had a contract with Norwegian Cruise Lines to do comedy on ships. So yeah. we would do archive sketch material, greatest mm-hmm. hits sketch material, and then some short form improv. Mm. And I was like, I would like to do a ship. Mm -hmm. Um, and second city had never really noticed me before they knew who I was, but Mm -hmm. they second city really did like, they like you to want them, you know, they want to know that you, and I was never that into them. And so I never, um, I kept being like, they'll come get me when I'm, when they want me, you know? Right. (laughs) And then basically I was like, knock, knock, knock. Hi, I need something from you. (laughs) Um, and so I did, Did I did a contract Mm -hmm on my way out here, I did a cruise ship for three and a half months. So I, I left Chicago, um, didn't have rent to pay. And then I was able to bank all the money on the ship Mm. because I wasn't paying rent and everything is abysmally cheap when you're on the ship because, you know, food is free. Beer in the crew bar is a dollar. A bottle of wine in the crew bar is $3. Like it's really wild. It was a very fun. And again, I thrive in that kind of environment. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And so it was very fun. And then I moved here and then I got off. I went through a breakup also on that ship where I had been in a relationship and we were going to move out here together. Was he on the boat with you? He was not. Okay. Okay. And he came to visit. And then as things, as we were, then like two weeks before we were, I was getting off the ship, we started, mm-hmm. I started to be like, okay, well we need to, you know, co- formulate the plan of like, what's the date we're going to leave? When mm-hmm. are we going to drive? You know, cause I have to go look for a place for us when I get off the ship. Right. Right. And he was just kind of like, yeah, wow, this is very real. And I'm like, yes, it is. It's happening very soon. Mm-hmm. But I think for him, 
he wasn't ready. He was not ready. And truly it was, um, it was a really hard thing at the time. Mm -hmm. It was like awful. You know, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to move across the country during heartbreak. It's really bad. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it actually turned out to Certainly. You get to really jam on that reset button Absolutely. though when you move city. Yeah, well, and he was and stuck in up. Chicago where all the memories were. And like, yep. I was like, hi, clean slate. Thank you. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> clean slate and sunshine. I literally dug my car out of a snowbank to drive here because mm-hmm. I moved here in February. Whoa. Yeah. And so then I moved here and I started out at IO and did a team there. And then the thing about doing improv in Chicago is there's not a UCB there. And out here, IO West used to exist. And so I was so grateful to have a home and that was really nice. But Second City is not a big deal here. And IO was not a big deal. The only place that mattered here was UCB, UCB. it seemed. Mm. And so I was like, okay, cool. And like your credits don't transfer. Like they let me skip 101. Mm. Yeah. So I had to take two, three, and four. I interned and then I, I finished 401 two weeks before auditions happened. And then I auditioned and got on a Herald team. So I was on a Herald team for two years at UCB. And then when that ended, they cut our team. I was the only person not to be placed on another team (laughs) from our team. You know, it didn't feel personal. Um, (laughs) And uh, I was like, God, what am I going to do? And I wound up getting really into, I have a dear friend out here who was really into the clown community, clown and idiot and stuff like that. So I started to take some like idiot workshop classes and clown workshops. And the first clown workshop I ever took was with this woman named Deanna Fleischer. Mm. And she actually wound up directing my most recent solo show, Prolonged Eye Contact. She did it over Skype. She lives in Washington. She came into town to do this workshop with us. And then after she left, I was like, I need someone to direct my show. And then she Skype directed me, Mm. um, which was really wonderful and good. Um, And then- over the and then last year so she lives in Washington she has this show called she has a character named Butt Kapinski who's this like private eye she does this strange interactive show it's very good mm. and then um she has started doing drag king she came into town and was like I'm going to do another workshop and also for all of the female identified performers I'm going to teach a uh um just a little afternoon drag king workshop. And we'll Mm. do it much the way that we do clown. The way that she does clown is a lot of like presence, eyes, relaxing your jaw, focusing on the audience and then like feeling, um, like feeling them seeing you, seeing them seeing you. Like the the seeing, Mm. seeing eternal loop is kind of like her big philosophy. And so we, we worked on that. We came in like light drag and then kind of worked to find our characters and Ricky Burbank happened right there. So it was like that morning we had like a four hour workshop Mm -hmm. and I came onto stage with this other guy who was like, um, his whole character was like, he was like incredibly irresistible. He was like such a heartthrob and like me, I kept being like, I was like, yeah, honestly, that's my dude. Like, yeah, look at him. Like, cool. Yeah, check him out. Like, he's so cool. Yeah, check out my dude. Uh huh. <laughs> like, kind of thing. And they were like, when they were talking to me as the character, mm. I didn't have a name yet or anything. They were just talking to me as a character. And then they were like, you know, 
um, what's your deal? Like, why are you being like that? And I was like, I don't know. It's just like, everybody seems to like him so much. And it's like, yeah, I like him too. But it's like, okay, cool. Like, what am I about? I guess I'm about my do- my boy. <laughs> and it just kind of like happened that I be- turned into this person. And then that night we had a competition at the Lyric Hyperion, which is kind of a big clown theater out here. Mm. And um, there were 12 of us in it. It was like a four um, round competition oscar was one of the judges okay um and then um the first round was doing oh was doing karate moves to like cock rock songs to like jams you know to like get to <laughs> cock rock yeah cock rock like uh you know like like you know like metal kind of oh okay kind of like kind of like hard it's rock cock. yeah cock rock like hard okay. rock metal kind of mm-hmm. like stuff mm-hmm. and then the second round was like as a group we were all like mansplaining stuff mm-hmm. and then the third round was jerking off a water bottle <laughs> like you were like took a water bottle and you jerked it off yeah and then what did we do oh and then and then i made it to so i kept coming through i kept going through all the rounds and then i made it to the to the top four actually they were only going to have a top three and they added a fourth contestant so that ricky could be in the top four oh, and wow. then um i did I lip synced Get Low by the Ying Yang Twins. <laughs> and um, to the window, no, to, to the, the walls, <laughs> to the sweat drop down on my balls. To that one. Yeah. <laughs> we'll listen to it this afternoon. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Things might get too sexy. Oh, and Ricky Burbank uh, killed it. Yeah, Ricky did great, but he did not win. Mm. That's okay. He lost to. Um, kind of a men's rights activist that I think literally everyone was afraid of the person who was playing the men's rights activist. Really? It was very funny. Mm. It was really, really funny. Men's rights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he kept being like, I'm here to find my bride. I will respect you as long as you respect me. Like, you know, like right. a very yeah. like intense person. Mm. It was really funny. It was Kelly mm. Chambers. So that was the dawn of Ricky Burbank. Yeah, that was like six months ago. And then then oh, two months after busy. that, that's mm, how mm. Oscar knew that Ricky Burbank existed mm. was because he had judged that competition. So that's why he asked me. Apparently, I think there was someone else who was supposed to be doing Drag King and they mm-hmm. couldn't do it. And then he asked me, like, I think I was even second choice, baby. That's... Well, it seems to be how things work around here, right? That's I'm, like the... Yeah, we were Swinky and I were talking about this the other day that the the mm. er, the first jobs you get are because somebody else had to cancel on a job. Yep. And yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's it takes a minute before you start getting jobs. Like I haven't been here two months yet, and I can tell. Whew, Wait, you've be, only been here two months? It hasn't been two months. Just yet. over a month now. Wait, tell me everything. Do you guys talk about this on the show? Is this a thing? Oh do yeah, the listeners know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's give the speed version. Um, yeah, please, you do. You do. Swinky is Kenyan, getting a Kenyan passport to have an American visa, and it took a year, a little over a year. Good God. So I was here from January, from March. I was in LA from March last year, patiently trying to endure that time apart. 
Um, then she finally got her visa mm-hmm. a couple of months ago. She had some tours that she had to finish up as, as a singer in Japan, yeah. finished them up, finally came out here, and we're trying to get her situated and right. plugged in and into the culture of L.A. Yeah, oh, my gosh. Very new. Welcome, Swinky. I didn't know you I were so you. new. Oh, no, no. I'm fresh, fresh off the boat, oh they say. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yep. Wow. So it's really nice to hear your experience. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's possible. There it's are things thing, to like. like you're both, you've got something in common that you both came here kind of fresh off the boat with years of experience and kind of had that splash of cold water in the face, I imagine. nobody knows yeah, you nobody or cares knows what you've cares. done. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It is, I was lucky though, because everyone from Chicago has moved here. Mm-hmm. Like I know a hundred people who live here that I knew in Chicago, yeah. mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, not, yeah. not yeah. close. I mean, I've be, I've the people that I've actually become close to are not people that I knew before I moved here. Mm-hmm. But I mean, acquainted with, I, I was lucky to have a soft landing pad and to have IO West to yeah, land yeah, at. Yeah, if I hadn't yeah, yeah, had yeah. that place to land at, mm-hmm. I think it would have been a much harder uh, transition, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you know anyone in town? I know him. Uh-huh. We're married. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've been trying to get her plugged into my network. Like I've been out and about for the last year trying to meet as many people as I can. And I'm mm. trying to get her. And were you guys in Japan directly before this? We were. We, yes. we met in Japan, lived there for 10 years. Yeah. We, for five of those, we were friends. And for about five of those, we were mm. more mm. than mm. friends. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So the, I in Tokyo, I was pretty comfortable. I was doing... Great. Yeah, doing she's really like doing five Why to did you guys move month. here? The glass ceiling. You just bump yeah, your head one too many foreigner, times. Always. You'll always be a foreigner. Yeah. But here, yeah. here at least, you know, even if you're a foreigner, everyone's a foreigner. Yeah, everyone. Yeah. 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 So a country and, full of immigrants. Yeah. Yes. So here you're just American and yeah. it doesn't it doesn't um, impede your progress or your yeah. move up the ladder. But in Japan there's a very, very hard, thick glass ceiling. If you're not Japanese and or married to a Japanese it person, to look more like a wood ceiling, so we'd all know where it was. Right. There's no mystery about <laughs> yeah. oh, when you right, bump your right. head okay, on okay. it. Uh, uh, yeah, and yeah, it keeps going. They tell you to watch yourself you over down. there. Yeah. What were you guys doing over there? You were singing. Yes. Singing, and were you doing um, photography? Producing or? and directing. I'm actually I'm gaining an un. Uh, uh, unearned reputation as a photographer in LA because I do a lot of photography but I'm uh, my day job is producer and director oh cool mm. yeah so. That's, that was our bread and butter he, yeah. yeah we were making bread he, and butter over there too we're, yeah. we're doing anyway and so gonna, you hit well, the point where you couldn't go any further you were just like yeah. we've done the most that that will be allowed to do here. Yeah, yeah 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 and it was like we could keep doing exactly this for the next 30 years and, and we be would be absolutely com- comfortable, comfortable. Yeah. Right. we'd have a bit of a nest egg we'd go traveling a couple times a year mm. but we'd never ever you'd always wonder what yeah. if yes yeah, yeah, I know yeah, gosh yeah. I wish I could be happy there. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I think it in comfort zone. Yes. Mm. There are because people who are happy in comfort zone who mm. who enjoy that and prefer that. Yeah, it's worse. I have I have it worse. No, mm. like no, 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 no. It. Is, I have a. I have difficulty with that because I, 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 I want to 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 level up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I'm also not like a tenaciously driven to 
whatever it takes, get to the top type person. Mm-hmm. I value comfort. I value friendships. I value leisure. I value fun. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these things are very important to me. But at the same time, there is something that keeps me from being like, well, why don't I just open up my own little improv theater in, you know, some small town or whatever, you know, and mm-hmm. then like have a day job and then I run my theater at night or whatever, you know, there are these little, you know, other plans, but that doesn't sound appealing to me at all. And yet, uh, I've got a question. You've, 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 uh, you've identified uh, some, some contradictions baked into you that I wasn't aware of. Uh, Can we talk a little bit about uh, Kristen does her best? Oh, absolutely. Cause I've got, I've got some real questions about that, that, that uh, are, are nagging at the back of my mind. First, can you give us the, the very short version of what that is and how it came to be? Was this a response to all those comedy central people asking where your web series was? In a way. So Mm. the story of Kristen does her best is. And first start with the pitch. Like the elevator pitch, it. so the people yeah. listening can understand what we're talking about. So, a Kristen bit. does her best as a web series. It is loosely based on my solo show. Well, it's very tightly actually based on my solo <laughs> shows. Um, it's about a woman. It's like a, an it's like an absurd and surrealist look at a woman struggling in uh, Los Angeles, and she's doing her best. Mm. Um, uh, it's kind of like surreal and vulnerable, I would say, are the two kind of key touch points that I look for in most of my work. Um, but never confusing. I don't want to scare people away with that surreal oh, yeah. thing. Like it, it all makes sense and you button oh, yeah. it really well yeah. at the end. Oh, yeah. It's not um, inaccessible yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah. It's just weird. It's strange in a fun way. Like. I love it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm really happy. So when I moved here, I started working for these really rich people who are so lovely, mm. who um, I was tutoring their children after school. And I was kind of, they knew I was a comedian, but we didn't really talk about it because their kids were 11. And I mm-hmm. was just like, you know, I'm not going to get into it. In, in my comedy is very explicit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, I'm probably not going to talk about it. They'd be like, they're British. This isn't like just how I think rich people talk, just to mm. say when <laughs> I do an impression of them. Mm. Um, they would be like, oh, you're going to do a show, you know, have fun, blah, blah, blah. And so then I was leaving to go do San Francisco Sketchfest, actually, for like the third time, probably. And, um, I was like, yeah, I'll be gone for a few days. I'm going to San Francisco to do my solo show there. And they're like, oh, what is your show about? Mm. And I was like, oh, um, gosh, well, it's pretty explicit. And they're like, oh, come on. You know, they're very, they're chill people. And so I just explained a few of the bits from my show uh, to them. I talked Mm -hmm. about Sexiest Woman Alive, which is a piece where I devolve from a businesswoman into a baby trying to please a man. Mm. And I explained like a couple of other things uh, from my show. Have you actually used that line in dating ever? Hmm? No. Okay. No. No, no, thankfully, no, it hasn't, it hasn't come to that. Mm. Who knows, though? At this point, who knows wh- what it will come to? Mm. Um, it's a British family. Yeah, so they were like, when I came back, they were, I was like, wanted to, I had written a song the uh, about waiting for someone to return a text. And I was like, I might want to shoot the music video here while I'm house sitting for you guys. Like, is that okay? And David, the dad was like, Kristen, actually, before you do anything, you know, when you were leaving the other day, Catherine and I were like, she's so funny, you know, mm. you should have like a web series or something. Would you like to have like a web series? And I was like, yeah yes <laughs> uh, and he was like good well I think we can make that happen and he's a producer mm. 
And uh, also uh, he owns a PR company in London. And then she was the executive vice president of international PR at uh, Fox. So she's very big deal, okay, big wig okay. over there. But he was more the one who was shepherding this project along. He was like, yeah, um, why don't I give you a budget? And like, you know, he he was hiring this production company to to do it. And I went and I wrote scripts. I was like, OK, now I have to turn my show into yeah. a show oh, yeah. into a into a web series. Mm. And so I wrote um the scripts and then we gave them to this production company, but they kept getting higher budget offers. Like they just kept getting work that they had to take rather oh, than yeah, doing yeah, ours. Yeah, 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 so yeah. eventually he basically was like, why don't I just give you the budget? I'll direct it. Uh I know an editor who'll do it for free. He owes me a favor. I mean amazing. This guy is such a good editor. Mm. Um and uh, you'll just hire your friends and we'll figure it out. And like I luckily met somebody wow. randomly gave my friends like acquaintances roommate who was I gave her a ride home one night and she was like what are you doing it was after a comedy show and she's like oh you're funny what are you what are you up to I was like oh I'm trying to make this web series but I don't know what I'm doing and she's like you know production is my background if you want someone to help you and she came on as production manager and like literally saved my life I Mm. didn't know anything I didn't know how to make a budget my other friend like gave me a budget outline and told me how to like do all this stuff how to allocate the money and Mm. everything Mm. I used everyone I knew and uh yeah we made that we made that web series and uh David directed it and I was like oh my god he's gonna you know watch Mm. all this weird sex stuff I'm doing in this thing and Mm. stuff but he was so hands-off he really we kind of co-directed it in many Mm -hmm. ways like Mm. I he respected my vision Mm. he was incredibly easy to work with it was amazing and I so we made it and um it's five episodes the whole thing is 20 minutes long just as one piece um it's five five minutes episode so it's I guess is it like 20 it's, it's maybe 25. 20 25 it's, minutes yeah. yeah it's five five minutes of episodes it's like 25 minutes as a whole piece mm. and um it's it came out brilliantly I love it I'm very happy with it my regret when it comes to it is that I thought then once I made this great thing it was going to take care of itself. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's done and dusted. Everybody's going to watch it. It'll be discovered and people, it'll find its audience. And I was like, well, David is well connected, you know, he'll get it in front of some eyeballs. It's going to happen for me. All I have to do is make this great thing. And that is not what happened. Mm. And if I had it all to do over again, I would have saved or made a budget or took out a loan or whatever it took to get to hire a publicist, to get someone to hear us now, anyone listening, that is what, if people don't see it, you didn't make anything. Right. That's, it's the most forgotten item in the budget is the, after it's done being made, the the money to get it in front of people and to work the festival circuits and to get those meetings and to fly out. If you do have a meeting, you have a a little bit of a cushion to go meet that person tomorrow. If the, if they call, I uh, yeah, I'm 100% in agreement yeah. with you on that. Quick question about it: Did it ever that 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 that? I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. We Thank enjoyed you. it very much. We we both watched it. We I re uh, I rewatched it. It's the second time, oh, darling. Oh really? Just got to get wow. that in there. My view count. My view count's really going up. We're probably at 1800 now. <laughs> but um, when no, you more were, than that, you uh, should look it up. Uh, mm-hmm. The the film. Th- is I, I I'll just call it a film. I know it's a series of mm-hmm. short films, but let's just talk about it as a film. Yeah. Uh, it's 
aggressively heartbreaking? Was that a concern when you were making it? Like it's no. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Just really in the middle, there's that one bit where you're crying through the whole film and not like light crying a little sniffle. It's like sobbing. (laughs) Oh, did you really feel bad for me? Well, it's it that part was more funny than not because of yeah, like the Oreo carries I, you're, you're, you're ju- yeah talking. you're juxtaposing I mm. felt like it was juxtaposing the kind of like the the concerns of these objects on my nightstand yeah. with like my dramatic concern for my life you know mm, like mm. their lives are t- they're like the sub economy of me <laughs> you know their lives are tied up in what I do mm-hmm. um someone told me that I, I I had someone say that they thought that the crying was good because it was realistic enough without being too sad yeah, 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 you know yeah because yeah. like I didn't I don't want people to feel sad but I do want them to feel for me I I want I want it to be very I a lot of comedy and a lot of comedians are they don't their their biggest concern is they just want it to be funny they want to get the laugh and i i think it's awesome and i love a lot of comedy that's like that mm-hmm. i don't know how to make comedy that's like that though my everything i do mm. All of the shows, every piece of anything I do, even Ricky Burbank to a degree, mm. has a piece of vulnerability in it. Has a piece. Well, no, everything Ricky Burbank does is not coming from a place of strength, like that aggressive yeah. need to always be the center of exactly. attention. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like you can just feel how sad he is. Yeah. You can mm. feel that he's like he's grasping at, at, yeah. at validation yeah, constantly. He's desperate. <laughs> he needs it so bad. Mm. And you know, where does that come from mm. uh deep inside of me mm. uh and and that is like for me I only know how to make stuff that is like that I'm not very good at just like um what people would call like hard jokes yeah <laughs> you know I'm probably not the best uh hard joke comedian and I have learned and I'm learning to accept that about myself because there's a lot of judgment I think it's maybe a more feminine point of view to have um but that's I don't also want to cop that out because there are many women who write hard jokes and like there are many men who write soft jokes, you know, yeah. uh, and who do vulnerability. But I do find that it does tend to, for me, be so much. Uh, it's much easier for me to write through a lens of myself and my truth. That mm. that is one thing I really enjoyed about uh, Kristen does her best is is that it was. Uh, aggressively heartbreaking and it wasn't aggressively jokey. It was very funny throughout, but like the, the amount of just ache that you feel in that first monologue about stripping down and stripping Uh down, it's funny and silly, but also too true to be funny or silly. Like there's Mm -hmm. just too, anyway, the point is I enjoyed it very much and I'm glad you didn't cop out at the end that it ends even more oh, depressing yeah, than it yeah, begins. Yeah, yeah. Well, the idea, I mean, I've written a treatment for it and stuff and the concept, and I have a pilot version of it that isn't the web series that is like a, um, it's just like got more, um, like more of a launch pad for a series kind That's, of stuff. Yeah, it feels very uh, done yeah. when this one is done. It doesn't feel like it's yeah. leading into 12 more episodes exactly. or something like that. Yeah, mm. so, um, but the, the concept that I, in the, in the treatment for it is that she always at the beginning of the season and the end of the season ends in exactly the same place that like she is like, she has gone on a journey 
but she's pretty much back where she started. She started, yeah. you know, and it's gone really high up, really low down, but she's back in the middle mm. and just got to dust herself off and try again kind mm-hmm. of thing. And that's like the Kristen does her best of it all, that, the concept of that. Was that your bacon shirt? Oh, the, um, no, it wasn't okay. actually. That really? was, that, that was, was one of those things I was thinking that's gotta be hers. There's no way. Yeah, they no, it was lent to me by a friend who, uh, had like a whole, the whole bacon and eggs pajama set. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was lent to me by a friend. I think those, that covers all of my important questions. About <laughs> Kristen <laughs> does her best. Um, uh, can we take a short break to use the loo, come back and party a little more? Let, let's party. Okay. We'll be back soon. Drops. <laughs> 